We are blessed. Amen. We are blessed. Why are we blessed? Because Jesus conquered the enemy. Amen. And the enemy wants to steal, come back and take things away from you. If he can't, it's not going to happen. By the grace of God, we are saved. By the grace of God, we are kept. Amen. Oftentimes, we face battles and we say, oh, why, Lord, now why? What's this all about? We live in a fallen world. The enemy hates the church. He hates everything about God. He hates everything about what the Lord wants to do. And if he can interfere, he will. Paul said, we are not ignorant of his schemes. The devil is a schemer. He's a conniver. He's a, really a coward. He comes right down to it. And when you resist him by praising the Lord, you resist him by declaring the Lord who he is, taking authority over what's going on in your head right now. You take authority. The Bible says you, you have the ability, you have the power in Jesus' name to take captive every thought. That's where it's going on, right here in the mind, isn't it? So often. And when our mind is down, when our mind is discouraged, then our body also kind of drags along and just kind of limps along through life. But I'm so glad that Jesus is the Lord over our mind. And even when we don't feel always, you know, 100%, we're working towards a goal. We're entering into a uh, the book of First Corinthians, just going to gleam some things today about a uh, little bit about what Paul was talking about in the, in the 11th chapter, or actually the 12th chapter is our text. But before I get to my verses that I want to read, Paul was discussing nine types of gifts that were spiritual gifts that were given, that come by the Holy Spirit. How, how many know that the Holy Spirit wants to give us gifts, he's the operation, uh, the giving of gifts, the same spirit, verse 4 of chapter 12. I'm just kind of introducing some things here before we get into verse 12 and on. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are, uh, each one has been given, verse 7, the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now, I like that one because... We all have to go to work somewhere. Maybe, you, maybe you're retired, but you're all doing something. There's a common sense. There's a common good. There's an everyday work living. How many know you, you do your dishes once and you're going to have to do them again, right? If you're going to eat on them, you're going to have to, you know, wash it again. And so it's just a lot of things we do that are mundane, that are just uh, repetitious, that just is a part of life. And God is even in the midst of those kinds of circumstances. You believe that? God wants to be with you uh, when you're going into the workplace, into the work week. God wants to be with you when you're visiting the doctor, or whatever it may be that's on the agenda for next week. To each has been given, verse 8, a word of wisdom through the Spirit. Notice how the Spirit of God is working to give these gifts. To another, a word of knowledge. What is that all about? Well, God can give to us an understanding of what's going on. God can give to you, even if it's one word, it opens up the situation. Maybe helps you know how to pray. 
a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, according to the same spirit, another faith. Some people just have extraordinary faith, faith that is, goes beyond the norm. I remember a, we were in the, our starting years, we were in college, Carrie and I were still uh, finish up, finishing up college, and we had a youth group that we were involved with, and I remember there was one particular young lady that had an experience. She somehow um, got in trouble with some kind of pills, and remember she had some, some brain things that were going on. The doctor said, she will die. I remember that. And her mother went into this cry. No, she won't. And she cried out to God, and the church prayed, and the, the, the young lady lived, continued to live. And so when, when it's impossible for man, it's still possible. That was extraordinary faith. That was faith that, that something, the Holy Spirit welled up within them, and they began to exercise faith. Now, we don't always have that, that large amount of faith, but whatever amount of faith you have, you start with that. And you believe God. Romans says we've been all given a measure of faith. To another, gifts of healing. There are those that God uses that are gifts to the church, to the body. And oftentimes, God responds. Now all of us, we all can pray for healing. Right? That's good. But here we're looking at a gift. I'd like to think that some of us in this room even have the gift of healing. Maybe we haven't tapped into that yet. But there are other gifts, nine of them all together. Miracles, gift of belief for miraculous things. And then there's a gift of prophecy. It's talking. It's verbalizing, speaking what God gives to you. Not everything is, uh, thus saith the Lord, that's part, that could be part of it. God gives a word to the body. But oftentimes the word of God itself is the prophetic. And people use the word of God to speak into the lives of friends, you know, there's a real, I think there's a real value in speaking words of life into people. Speaking into the life. It's almost like blessing them. In fact, it is. A bless, if you choose to see good things, you, you, you talk, you verbalize that. The Bible says in Proverbs that life is in the power of the tongue. Right? So life comes when we stay, we stay with the word, and well, this is going on, this is going on, you're talking with your friend or your family, well, this is going on, but God. Ephesians says, we were dead in our sins and trespassed, but God. But God intervened. But God enriched in his love and mercy, God is not shorthanded. Right? God is not empty. God's resources are forever 
and he has all power, and we have access to him. And so I'm going to encourage you, pray for the gifts. Pray that you can be used in the gifts. Some have the gift to speak in another tongue. And Paul talked about that when he prayed and speak in mysteries to God. In the body of Christ, in the service, if there's a gift spoken in tongues, then there needs to be an interpretation. And so we pray for that. And so we believe that as a, the, the last gift that is mentioned here, there are those that have the interpretation, the gift of interpreting, gift of tongues. So we're open to that. We believe in that. I believe it. I believe that that's where the church began, and it is need to continue. Not every church believes that. But I believe it. I believe it's for us today. And I want to encourage you, as Paul said, pray for the gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And so now we're going to go on down the, the rest of the passage, and we're going to talk today, the title is, A Place to Belong. You ever felt out of place? Like, I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what's my church anymore. I don't know, you know, maybe you move. Maybe, you, maybe you're new here. I mean, Carrie and I first moved here 25 years ago. We went to the restaurant. We don't know anyone. It's weird. It's coming from a place where everyone knew you, little palisade, you know. Everyone knew everything. Almost everybody knew everybody and everything about them. Which didn't work good or bad, right? So we said to the restaurant, we don't know anybody here. What are we going to do about that? So we had to initiate conversation. It wasn't very long. And we met someone on the, it was during the marches, uh, uh, you know, the St. Patrick's Parade. I think we met a couple. And I think we met a couple, and they started coming to the church because we talked to them and invited them. We were just starting up, renting the community center. Oh, my goodness. Can God break down walls? Yes. Can God... Remove fear that we have? Yes. But some of us say, oh, maybe. Some things are really scary. Not everyone's an evangelist, so to speak, but everyone can testify. Not, over, not everyone has the gift of healing or the gift of laying on hands, but everyone has a place. Everyone's important because Jesus, as we're going to learn here, as Paul writes, there are many gifts, nine gifts, that also there are many members, he refers to the body, the ear, the hand, the foot. Even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one. What is that saying? They are one because they have focus, they have continuity, they have unity because of Jesus. We agree on Jesus. If we look to Jesus, we don't go. We can't go wrong. If we look, to, if we lift the name of Jesus up, Satan has to get out of the way. And so, how blessed? Number one, how blessed or blessed, blessed to belong to His body. And so, after time went on. Uh, the church began to grow, accumulate. 
see more people begin to come in. One of our friends, Vicki, saw the sign and she just pops in. She's visiting from the cities. This, this cold community up here, there's a lot of folks that want to get on the lake Sunday morning. Huh? A lot of folks are here because this is where they relax, right? They're not thinking about church. Not, not, not everyone. There's a lot of good folks that take time and bless you. You're here today. But I mean, in general, our culture is, is a little. Remember when, I don't know, I grew up when we were on the farm and we'd go to church Sunday morning, we'd go to church Sunday night, and we'd go to church most often Wednesday. Boom, boom, boom. And some of you are going, and we went to church another time, somewhere else in it. We weren't always in church. But not everyone's had that experience. Not everyone sees the value in that. Not only everyone, and not everyone has grew up in that. And now our culture has shifted. Are you with me? You watch what has happened. Both mom and dad are working. Kids are like, huh? You know? When are we going to do something? We want to go fishing. We want, you know, it's all good stuff. What I'm saying is, we had to somehow make it work. We've got to put God in our lives. And so somehow, catching the vision, oh yeah, I belong to Jesus, therefore I have a family. And I need to get to know them. Right? A family of God. That's what Paul's saying. He's not necessarily saying, he, he doesn't have any talk here about denominations. No denomination. That came later. The man made up their stuff. Jesus is the church in the book of Acts was called the way. Right? Remember reading that? The way. And, and these new disciples they belonged to the way, and a lot of them were persecuted because they believed in Jesus. And, oh my goodness, Paul was one of those guys that didn't like the church. He didn't like the Jesus until he got revelation, until Jesus connected with him. And Jesus said, Paul, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Basically, why are you persecuting me? Why are you? It's interesting because Jesus says to Paul, and Paul was destroying Christians. Jesus says to Paul, why are you persecuting me? So when the believer, when Jesus' people followers, that is his body. When people, your brother and sisters, are hurting, it hurts Jesus. Jesus is right in there with you. Does that make sense? Jesus is the whole reason we come today. Jesus has a purpose for us. We are blessed to come to know and belong to Jesus. You become a member of his body. Membership of the church is, well, it's important, 
But the most important thing is that you belong to Jesus. If you don't have that squared away, your membership to the church is not going to save you. Right? Jesus saves. Period. And I'm so glad for that. So we don't have to get muddled and bogged down that it becomes political. Nothing, nothing in the Bible that talks about that. It's about our hearts before the Lord. You see, Colossians 1, 17 and 18 describe who's really in charge of the church. Gary and Carrie's not in charge of the church. Right? This is not Gary and Carrie's church. This is Jesus' church. And when you look across the church as a whole, across the world, he is the church of the whole earth. And he is before all things. Colossians 1, 17. And in him, all things hold. In other words, if it wasn't for the Lord, the church of Jesus Christ would not stay together. Persecution would have come, and they would have dissipated, they would have run, they would have had no power, they would, nothing would happen when they prayed, they would just kind of like fall away. But he holds all things together. He's the leader. He's the good shepherd. He's the one who sees our heart. He's the one who has all wisdom that comes from above. Next verse. He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The beginning. The firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Let me ask this, a question. Does God have first place in everything? That's a big question. That's a challenging question. I ask it myself, does God have, is God first in my life? Is Jesus number one? And so we, we, we're challenged by that. Well, we say yes, but some, sometimes there's still some things we want to hang on to. Right? There's still some things that we, yeah, we're not quite ready to give that up yet. But the Lord keeps patient with us. He keeps working with us. And he keeps revealing himself to us. And little by little, we're becoming more and more what he wants us to be. And all these things uh, will come up in our time, in our life on this earth. And we don't know when, we don't know about tomorrow. When we go to the gas pump, we think, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, it keeps going up and it keeps going up. And all of a sudden, everything in the grocery store just keeps going up, it keeps going up. Right? This is life. This is where we're at. And then we think, oh, my, oh my goodness, and, and how am I going to make it? And how are my kids going to grow up in this world? And we got, we got it all. We're just, you know, you're just really, my kids would say, freaked out. Freaked out, stressed. <sighs> the Lord says, Come on over here. Be in relationship, walk with, let's do this together. No one can do very good by themselves. Hey? You get more done, probably. You this is the way it works. In the book of Proverbs, two get more done than one. Right? You guys have been on cruise when you worked on a project. Many hands makes work what? Lucky. Right? Well, the Lord never designed the body. He's the head, but he's not going to do everything 
for us. Right? Right? Guess what? He wants to use you and work through you and in you and through you. So what he does, he puts on your heart a desire or a passion to help. Joe and Twilight didn't just do that because, you know, it sounds like a fun thing to go do, go feed about 70-whatever people and work till 2 o'clock in the morning to clean up. That came from their love to Jesus, surely. And they're now they're saying, hey, we could use some help. That's where the body needs to understand. We need to know what's going on. Check, check in. And so when we come to church, part of the, well, the main reason we worship Jesus, but the next reason is this. How are you doing? Good to see you. Talk about your life. Maybe there's, maybe there's something really stirring. And maybe there's something, maybe there's a need. How would we know unless and we sense it, but how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you this week? What do you need this week? What's coming up? What's on the agenda? You know, our other daughter, Emily, she's somewhere halfway along the other side of the world right now. Just so you know, pray for her. She's going from place to place in a missions thing. And, you know, I'd appreciate prayer that just God would keep her safe. Yeah? I know my wife would. We all have tendency to say, oh, my goodness. How am I going to make it in life? Then the worry thing. We all have moments. Some of us worry less than others. Notice I said that. Some of us worry less than others. That means everyone has a degree of worry, worry warts, right? What is worry? Worry, worry is saying, it's feeling how we're going to do stuff. How is things going to work out? How am I going to do this? It's about how am I going to do it? What's going to happen? Well, Jesus is saying, hold on. You're not alone. I'm going to walk with you. Especially if you ask, and you call on me, you pray, and in Matthew 6.33, if you seek him, seek first his kingdom, what, what you want, Lord, this is not about me, but in all these other things. What are the things he's talking about? He's talking about the simple things, the food, the clothing. Your everyday needs. Beyond that, everything is a bonus and a plus and a blessing beyond and something we don't even deserve, right? We were so more blessed in our land than we could imagine. I can imagine. But secondly, besides that God has blessed us already because of his death, resurrection, because of his invitation for us to come to know him, our sins are forgiven. We are now placed, placed in his body. We are now one of his sheep or one of his children. Paul begins to describe the body in the Corinthian church. These guys were not, you know, 
they were really saved. Do you know that Corinth was like a cesspool of sin? Whatever has taken place took place there, and sin, as far as sin is concerned. The word Corinth actually means to, to commit fornication. And so there was a cesspool, immorality. Jesus starts at church, uses Paul, and helps raise up the church. Paul writes back to the church, that's why we have the letter, to encourage them on in their faith. If anything that needs to happen as a new believer starts in their faith, they need people that are stronger in their faith to come alongside them and encourage them. That's where, that's the reason, that's part of the reason we get together. Amen. It's, it's not about what you actually, you know, when you come to church, it's not always about you, though it is, but it's about who else is in need. So secondly, God knows where you, where you fit in. God knows, and we read this in verse 18. This is, a, this is, I love this verse, I've underlined it in my Bible, but now God has placed the members each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. And so as it is his church, he gets to place the members. He gets to give instruction. He gets to help encourage people to operate in their gifts. What happens when a person doesn't, or when a person operates in a gift that that's not theirs? What do you think happens? They're kind of like, yeah, I can do this, but I'm, this is really not my thing, but I'll do it. And pretty soon they just like get really tired easily, get burned out over it, get kind of tired of, sick of it. But a person that is energized by their gifts, they're energized when they get to do what they love to do. And so therefore they're able to keep doing and keep in operation. So as Paul is saying, not everyone uh, is the same. Verse 14, the body is not, the, not one member, but many. The foot should say, you know, because I'm not a hand, I'm not. What he's saying is everyone has a point, everyone has a place. And even those people that, later he says in verse 24, even those whereas our seemingly members have no need of it, but God has composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. Even though some people would say, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't have anything. Well, people, you know what? You're here. I don't know if I should use this illustration. But somewhere along our community ministry uh, friends, I, I think it was probably at a district function, you know, pastors get together with their wives and they talk about how's the church doing, how's everything going. And uh, one, somebody, I remember what they said. You know, some people don't, you know, they don't always, uh, they're there, they're faithful, 
And they're really people that you can build on. They kind of like become the backbone, the pillars. You know, we live in a challenging time where people are looking where they fit in. Will they be accepted? One of the things that I think we have going for us here is we're, you know, as we're small, is that we can get to know each other. And we can have quality, and we can be healthy, and that we can love people and be receptive. When you see a stranger or um, a visitor coming, the regulars need to go, not, don't do the high dive and jump on them, okay? You just get the picture here. Make sure they get greedy. Somewhere, they need to get greeted, right? Now, you gotta get sensitive. Some people like, they come in and they just wanna sit down and they don't want really anything, you know, you know, you gotta be sensitive to them. But others are looking around and, you know, they're, they're, they're already deciding whether they wanna come back before the preacher ever gets the time to speak and even before the worship even. They hit the parking lot out here. They're already reading signs. Is this a safe place? Is this a welcoming place? So the body of Christ needs to be responding to new members, to new people. And you're good at that. You can keep, keep sensitive to them. God knows where people fit in and work the best. This is my own thinking. We have a lot of churches in the community, right? For a small community. I don't know, there's seven, eight of them, something like that a lot of denominations. And uh, not everyone's going to go to our church. Not everyone's going to go to the other churches. But we need to find where God has placed us. Number one, God places us in the body. You're brothers and sisters. Other churches and other denominations, we do have brothers and sisters. And let's just love and experience the faith community and walk together and be open, yet be who you are. If we believe in the gifts, let's believe in the gifts. If we believe that we're Pentecostal, let's be Pentecostal. What is Pentecostal? Well, in the book of Acts, in the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke in different tongues. They were all empowered to go out and be a witness for Jesus and to build with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is. And so we need that. I believe we need that. That's why we're trying to beef up the prayer here. Anna's doing a great job of helping spur us on in prayer and worship. and That's just a part of it. So when you leave this place, you go out, you have something fresh from the Lord. I believe that none of us should leave the same as we Right? That we actually have an experience with God. First Samuel described there's a powerful little story. In David's time, he had many battles, right? And there were some guys that were upset. They won the battle. There was 200 guys that stayed back. They were tired, worn out. David says, it's okay, you just stay there and watch the baggage. This verse, and who will listen to you in this matter? 
For as his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the bank. They shall share like... There's a principle there. Not every one of us are called to be on the front line, so to speak. But everyone has a purpose. You're a supporter. You're praying behind the scenes. You're giving behind the scenes. You're keeping, encouraging. You're faithful. So you get to share alike. You get in on the reward. You're going to receive the reward for the entire battle that took place because you are a part of that. I see that as an important principle. So we're going to share together. Thirdly, we just build where you are placed. Wherever God puts you, plants you is another way to look at wherever God plants you, bloom. Wherever God places you in the community, wherever God places you in the workplace, you try to bloom, you try to, try to contribute, try to make things better. And so it ties into the church, wherever, what portion of the body of Christ, wherever the Lord chooses to place you, you just put all that you have into it. You love, you reach out, you just be yourself and let God be himself. You do what's, you know, what you're good at and let others do what they're good at. And together we can accomplish the goal. I know I wouldn't be any good at the books. I, I wouldn't. I can't do the books anyway because I'm the pastor and that, but I'm no good at that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, organize. Other people are. I can, I, can, I can cook a few things, but I can't, you know, I don't, don't depend on me. You know, it's just, just that we're all working together. It's so, so, you know how encouraging it is to me when I come to the church in the middle of the week and the grass is already mown? That's encouraging. And I know that, that the money is getting counted and I know that the stuff is getting taken care of. We have people that are doing things. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. You know, we're Chet, yeah, Chet's in the back. He's the pastor of coffee. He's trying to get things better in the coffee. And uh, we have fun. He's headed up the men's coffee. Now it's a habit of mine. I want to be there. And so it's just fun, just a few guys. Sometimes we're going different directions, but it's okay. If it's just Horton and Chet and I, it's okay. We, we still have fun. We just kind of hang out. And so it's a part of the body. I believe that your family, right, God is number one, right? You know that. Then your family, your immediate family, but guess who's next? The church family. Are the most important people or ought to be a part. Oftentimes, and I've seen this, oftentimes families are having struggles. You know, immediate families, right? Stuff happens, life happens, whatever. And the church family actually becomes more what they ought to be. Kind of fills in the space. That's a good thing. But there are families, there are people they don't have parents where they're living, or they don't have their real mom and dad. There are young people that are struggling. Well, guess what, church? We need to love them. We need to love on them. We need to be there. Notice them. Interact with them. So we place where God places you. Not everyone can get up and play the banjo, 
And Nathan's like, oh, you had to bring that up. It's fun to see talent. And it's just fun to see young people. And fun. But you're not the only one getting excited about something. Right? You get an idea in your head, you talk about it. Almost over. Talk about it. Talk about, you know, we need to do maybe try something new, fresh. And so it's what it, what's all coming down to whatever God places. Let's let's plug in. Let's let's build. You remember Nehemiah when he had a vision? He had, you know, his hometown, Jerusalem, was just a mess. All the walls were torn down, it was destroyed. He just doing life. He's just a cup bearer to the king. He's the guy that had sipped wine for to see if it was poison. You know, if it was poison, and he'd die, and then you know, the king would be saved. That, that's that was his calling. And so he gets his vision, and he goes out. He asks the king, to, "Can I go out and just look at the city? Can you take some time?" And he does that, and he goes out and he gets his vision. Oh Lord! And he doesn't say anything right away. He just wants to make sure: Is this from you, God? Is this what you want me to do? And then he goes back to the king, and he gets permission. To re rally people. And what guess what happens? They all had their portion of the gates, you know, the, the walls different, the fish gate, the horse gate. There was one I won't want to mention. And they carried refuse out. But it was all necessary. Important stuff. And as soon as they got started, guess what happened? The old enemy raises his ugly head and says, well, he said, look what they're trying to do. They're just going to fail. I mean, a fox would jump on the wall. Would, right? That's what he was saying. That's the enemy. And as soon as we started to build the church here, was one person said, ah, he said, you're just on an eagle trip. Whatever, I said, okay. I said, well, sure. No, I didn't say that. I just talked to God about it. That's all. It's not about me. I wanted to run from the calling. I did. I, I ran from the calling. I ran for well, you know, a few months. Struggled. Lord, you can't. You can't be, you kidding me. I didn't say that, but I was just like, I can't, I can't. I kept saying, I can't, I can't. But he's saying, no, you're, you're, that's right, you can't. Now I can move. And so I just said, okay, Lord, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll just, one step at a time. Isn't that the way life is? You don't know what the, you know, tomorrow's going to bring. We don't have no guarantees of our health, really. But one step at a time. If I take the next step, do the next thing. Your back may be out of place today. You may feel like, well, now what? Why now? I'll just take one step at a time. Take it as, take it, as it comes. The body, this is another, in, uh, I don't know if it's, 
perception. Sometimes your body hurts for a reason. Maybe saying you need to rest that, rest that area, rest, so I can heal. And so sometimes, I'll be real honest, sometimes ministry can beat you up. Hello, why? I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. Ministry is not easy. Why? Because the devil hates us. From the beginning, you slipped, you switched teams when you went to Jesus. Now he's going to try to put everything in front of you. (laughs) I don't see anywhere in Scripture where the disciples said, Oh, it hurts so bad, it hurts so bad, I got to stop. No, no, no. Uh, Read the book of Acts, and they say, Oh, thank you, Lord, that we were kind of worthy to suffer for your name's sake. What in the world is going on? They were, they were sold out, it means. They were surrendered. It was much like Jesus. When he realized they don't know what they're doing, Stephen cries out the same similar utterance as he was dying beneath being stone, rocks hitting him. He said, don't hold this on your account. It's like Jesus. They don't know what they're doing. And that's the world we live in. That's why we have criticized. We have critic people come up and criticize us because they don't know what they're doing. And that's why we maybe we can have grace people that are struggling and have are angry at God or they're, they're holding some kind of excuse. Somehow we kind of have somewhat the grace of God to love people through that. And pray to God that they'll get back in right relationship. Because people leave God. God doesn't leave people. Amen? We can choose to get out of this body, out of this church, and take generally. We can walk away from Jesus. He goes after us, leaves the 99, but he doesn't drag us back. Right? He doesn't drag us back. We come back arm in arm. We made things right. We settled things again. And we returned. To our maker. And if it takes some people to their last breath, may it happen. If it takes some of you folks, have loved ones you're praying for right now, oh God, open their eyes. And if they have their last breath, if it takes that long, I don't want it to take that long, but isn't God merciful? How important is our prayer life? Very important. Because God is choosing you and I to minister together. I don't want to keep going on and on and on. The more, the more you press in to Jesus, the more equipped you will be to be a, a builder 
And Romans talks about building one another up, encouraging each other on. When Moses was very angry, yeah, that's the verse. Then we get down to Exodus. This is the part where Moses had to go back on the mountain, right? He went up the first time. He says, God says, go down, Moses, the people are sinning. And before he gets there, he, he just blows it. He just, he just got very angry, and he threw those tablets that God wrote on him, threw them to the ground, they smashed. Okay, Moses, come on back. What do you think's going on here? I know the people were disobedient, but Moses, like, we needed to work on you a little more. Right? I, I have a sense that, you know, yeah, Moses blew it. God didn't throw him away. How many characters in the Bible that blew it, God used them? Raised them up. Kept using them. The problem is sometimes in the church we have members of the body who blow it. And the worst thing is that the other members, the worst thing that happens and shouldn't happen is that, oh, look what they did. I could never do that. And we start to, oh my. What needs to happen is we need to break over it. We need to be broken over it. Pray and reach out and say, that could happen to me. The members of the body need to rush to the areas of need. If a part of the body is broken, the rest of the body, you know, I broke my ankle. It was like the whole rest of the body is protected. I fell off the steps. I wasn't. You know, we used to going down steps with a crutch. I never learned that. I am cantilevering. Oh, boy. All of us, just a couple seconds. I felt, just roll that leg up. Tuck it in. And round, ran on your rump. And that's what, I was fine. You see, We have been accused, not this church, but the church in general, that the church is where they kill their wounded. Have you heard that? Have you, uh, yes. That ought not to be. Nowhere does it say, well, spread it all over lots of Can I pray with you? I can. Is there some way I can encourage you? What do you need? I had a guy that would, he was, he had his issues. You know, he had his problems. This is in Palisade. I mean, he really had some issues. His life was in danger. Anyway, he was one of those workers that always say, what do you need? Before I even... Knew I needed anything. I'd be working, 
doing construction. And what do you need? What do you need? Well, that's a good way to look at it. People coming to the church. What do you need? How can we encourage you? Right? So when Moses came off the mountain, gets mad, goes back to the mountain. He came down the next time. Something happened. Something was different about Moses. He just says, he prays his prayer, and that was the scripture started putting up in Exodus. He says, show me your glory. Well, he's already been on the mountain for how long? But he wants more. So the church is, it needs to be a place where we want to keep coming back to. The presence of God is a place where you want to go back to. Once you have the touch of the Lord, you receive something from God, you want, to, you want more. And God so designed the church The word, we never get tired of each other. We should never get tired of the presence of God. He says, show me that glory. And God says, well, wait a minute. If I show you my whole glory, you're going to die. And so God in his grace and mercy says, you, you go by this rock over here. There's a place for you. Right? And I'm going to pass. Let you see my backside over here. That place represents a relationship, your walk with God. That place is when you face hardship and affliction and tomorrow you don't know what to do. That place is Jesus. He's the rock. He's the cleft of the rock. He's the one that's going to keep you. And we stand, we're going to pray. Let's stand. Lord, there are things in our lives so only you can fix. There are things in our lives only, Lord, you can do. We're believing right now, Jesus. We're just going to say, Lord, here we are as a church, as a body of Christ. We're just saying, Lord, we need your direction. We need we can't do it in our own strength. We can't build a church in our own strength. Lord, only the, the few things that we can do, but you can do many things. You can do the extraordinary. You do the supernatural. We do the things, Lord, you've called us to do and be, but Lord, you do the rest. This is your church, and so we just surrender to you right now. And God, you will have the way in the days to come and the months to come. And as you tarry, Lord, let us be found faithful that you have given us a place, Lord, to worship you in this community. And so we pray for the community. We pray for, Lord, a, a, a stirring in the community that there will be people that will come to Christ and be reunited or united with you for the first time. So in Jesus' name, help us this week to be led by you, be orchestrated by the help of the Holy Spirit. We surrender now in Jesus' name. Amen.